From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. This podcast is brought to you by International Truck. Now, here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Hello, and thanks for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that delves into the key issues and trends that will shape the future of trucking. Last time, we examined the path to autonomous trucks and considered what the spread of automation will mean for professional drivers. This is such an important and expansive topic that we've decided to continue that conversation in this episode. It's clear by now that automated driving represents an important part of the future development path for the automotive and commercial vehicle industries. But what's less clear is exactly what we will see on this road ahead. And that's what we'll be exploring in this show. There are many possibilities. Different companies have offered competing ideas for how to deploy automation in the trucking industry. Truck manufacturers, industry suppliers, and technology firms are all placing their bets on what the automated future will look like. The emergence of a legal and regulatory framework, as well as public acceptance, also will play a large part in determining how and when this technology will be adopted. To help gain a clearer picture of what lies ahead on this road to a more automated future, we're going to speak with two experts in this field. Later, we're going to discuss the regulatory and business landscape with Michael Camisa, Vice President for Safety Policy, Connectivity, and Technology at American Trucking Associations. But first, we're very excited to welcome a special guest who's involved in the development of self-driving commercial trucks. Chuck Price is Vice President of Product at Too Simple, a company that is testing automated commercial trucks in both the United States and China. Thanks for taking time out to speak with us, Chuck. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so today, two simple trucks travel down the road with a safety driver behind the wheel and an engineer in the passenger seat while you continue to test and refine your automated driving technology. But let's talk about what this will look like in the end. Do you see two simple trucks eventually driving themselves with no one on board? Or will they continue to have a driver inside as they operate autonomously? Or could we see a mixture of both of those scenarios? I think we'll end up seeing a mixture of both. Um, we do uh, hope to advance the technology sufficiently that we can pull the driver out. Uh, that does require uh, some interaction with the regulators, uh, both at the state and federal level. Um, but even even when we do reach that state, uh, there are uh, certain certain classes of cargo that will uh, certainly always require a human uh, to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, high value, high value cargo, uh, especially will typically have a human and sometimes an, an armed human, uh, present, uh, sometimes even more than one. So, uh, so we don't, we don't think autonomy necessarily means, uh, no humans. Um, so there are, there are, there are a variety of scenarios. Okay. And too simple is uh, planning to, uh, pursue or at least enable potentially both of those. We certainly are. Uh, our our systems will work in in trucks that have still have seats, and we uh, we are designing on the assumption that uh, even when it's a you know fully vetted autonomous vehicle that that there could be a passenger inside. Sure, and of course, for autonomous trucks to be successful in the market. Uh, they will have to provide a return on, on investment for fleets, right? You know, trucking companies aren't going to do this just because it seems cool. Uh, so, Chuck, I wanted to ask you uh, to spell out what you see as the potential cost savings offered by self-driving trucks, uh, both with and without a driver on board. What are the potential savings? Sure. 
there are both direct and indirect uh, operating cost savings. Um, probably the most the most obvious if you if you do remove the driver, uh, that is a potentially a forty percent savings uh, from the top. Uh, but in addition, we can save substantially in fuel. Um, the the most the most obvious fuel saving is just in operating the vehicle more efficiently. You know, with with softer softer accelerations and uh, minimizing braking. You know, planning better so that the vehicle stays at a constant speed. But less obvious is what happens if you. Uh, don't have to adhere to the hours of service rules. In that case, we can actually convert what would normally be rest brakes for a driver into slower speeds for the vehicle. In that way, we move the vehicle slightly more slowly to the destination, but we actually get there faster because we don't take all of the rest time. But that will save on the order of 15% in fuel when you do that. If you reduce speeds from, say, 65 to 55, you'll save 15% in fuel costs. And that's a very large number for fleets. Next, I wanted to also kind of talk a little bit more broadly about the pathway to autonomous trucking. I mean, we're talking about these possibilities. Uh, maybe we'll have driver assist technology. Uh, you know, maybe that, that even gets to the point where the, the truck is fully autonomous and there's a a driver still performing other functions in the truck, and maybe in some cases we can even get to a driverless scenario. But I find that sometimes when I talk about the subject with people who are outside the trucking industry, I encounter what I think are unrealistic expectations about how quickly this will happen or what it might mean driving jobs. And I'm sure you hear a lot of this stuff too. So I do feel the need to provide a little bit of a reality check you know, for this notion that the whole trucking industry is about to become automated overnight. So Chuck, I wanted to just pose that question to you. You know, what's your sense of how quickly this move toward automation will happen? And what are the, the real world implications uh, for truck driving jobs? I certainly don't think this is going to happen overnight. Um, we expect that we will be scaling regionally uh, starting with individual states, uh, moving state to state, uh, as the state regulators uh, open their open their uh, access. I believe that even when we do uh, begin scaling up, there is such a driver shortage today that it will, I believe, will be years, if not decades. Uh, until we reach the point that we're actually replacing a human driver's job with an automated driver. I believe, I believe what's going to happen is that first, this is going to fill the needs where drivers aren't available for vehicles. In the, in the, the near future, we're projecting 150,000 uh, driver shortage in the U S and that by itself is a business for us. At International Truck, we know that when it comes to the future, we all have a lot of questions. How do we take the chain off the supply chain? Will my fleet survive in an on-demand world? 
Will electric charge ahead of diesel? Will artificial intelligence replace us? Connectivity How can I use technology Will my fleet become obsolete? What's next? Let's talk about it. Join International Truck in driving transportation forward at upnexttrucking.com. You know, another aspect of uh, hours of service limits and, you know, the possibility of relaxing hours of service if you can operate a vehicle autonomously is how that might change distribution networks. So, Chuck, what are some of the ways we might see uh, transportation networks evolve if, if this does indeed become reality? Well, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, highly disruptive change uh, that could potentially come in a, in a positive way. Um, when you're not restricted by how long a driver can drive in a day, you can, you can locate your distribution centers quite differently. Today, because of hours of service constraints, shippers or, or fleets typically uh, locate their distribution centers about a day's drive apart. That way, drivers can meet in the middle, exchange cargo, drive back to their, their home distribution center, and sleep in their own bed at night. With an autonomous vehicle, without hours of service constraints, one could locate distribution centers at the limit of the vehicle's fuel capacity, which could be two or more days of movement. This could potentially eliminate half or more of your distribution centers. It could also speed the movement of, of traffic since uh, for long haul, if it takes you five days today to cross the country, you could cross the country in about 48 hours, which, which moves your, your freight movement uh, along uh, you know, nearly at the, at the speed of air movement, so at a much lower cost. So there are, there are dramatic changes that this could have in the distribution network that aren't represented in the in the operating the direct operating costs of moving one vehicle there's dramatic operating cost shift in the network itself right no that's uh that's important to keep in mind and i think that's that's helpful and you know as you guys move forward at too simple you know your company is taking an interesting approach i think to deploying self-driving technology so the plan is, you know, rather than, you know, right away providing your technology to trucking companies, you're starting out by operating your own fleet to prove out the concept before you start offering it as a, a commercial product. And can you tell us a little bit more, Chuck, about why you've chosen to take that approach to the technology? Sure. One reason is technical and safety. Um, in order to get a, a system like this accepted on the highway, you, you need to drive millions of miles. If, if we're doing that to prove the safety, we need to do it with our own fleet. We don't think it, it would be ethical to, to recruit some drivers off the street uh, with another fleet's vehicles and say, hey, go, go drive this around. Uh, so we'll do it ourselves. Uh, we're planning to build a fleet of 200 trucks next year we believe with with that number of trucks and with uh shippers that we're that we're engaged with to 
to move real cargo, we'll be able to develop millions of miles very quickly on the highway. And we think we think it's sort of a it's sort of a eat eat your own dog food kind of approach where we're going to be the first ones uh, through the gate working with shippers to understand how well we can integrate this with with existing fleet operations. Our goal is to minimize disruption uh, in the negative sense, but maximize disruption in the positive sense uh, to make this to make this go forward. Okay. And, you know, Too Simple is in a unique position, I think, among some of the companies that are developing self-driving truck technology, and that is operating in two major markets. So the company has dual headquarters in Beijing and San Diego and is working to automate trucking in both the Chinese and U.S. markets. So, Chuck, I want to get your thoughts uh, looking ahead, you know, and and where we are today. How do those markets compare uh, in terms of interest and uh, investment in self-driving trucks, and uh, do you envision a you know sort of a competition emerging among different parts of the world to become the leader in automated trucking in the in the years and decades ahead? Sure, that's an interesting question. We we see the the problems existing in in both markets. Uh, there is a driver shortage uh, in the Chinese market as well. Um, in terms of uh, the market dynamics, it's, it's a little different uh, in some sense. In China, the, the cost of the driver is a smaller portion of the overall operating cost, so there are different dynamics. Fuel savings uh, is, is highly interesting there. The driver shortage is real. Uh, so so all, of the, all of the ingredients are present to make this uh, a high demand uh, thing in both markets. Um, in addition, uh, you touch on the, the other aspect of competition, the, the states themselves, the country, the two countries uh, and the major countries in the world are in competition to be the first with artificial intelligence-based systems. China has, has, has a strategic plan to position itself as the number one in artificial intelligence. And the systems that we're building are heavily AI based. So there's a tremendous interest in China to see this company succeed. Um, We have a lot of visibility uh, in China. Um, I believe we're going to see similar uh, pressure uh, in the US as, as the US regulators continue to uh, advance advance their their regulatory uh, uh, strategies, um, and we think that eventually there is going to be a U.S. versus China AI competition. And with our feet in both markets, we think it can only help. Sure, and you'll you'll have a uh, you know, like you said, a foot in uh, on on both uh, continents and. It'll be interesting to see how this develops. You know, as a as a follow up though, uh, maybe I could I could ask you just a a little bit more about your sense of where we stand in the U.S. market on uh, regulations. You know, this emerging regulatory framework for uh, automated commercial vehicles, and there's been some movement and a lot of discussion. Uh, what do you think about the path that we're on right now? I think there's a very healthy 
dialogue uh, that's going on between the regulators and the industry. Uh, so far, I've I've seen nothing but but positives regarding uh, our our work with the with the U.S. and the state level regulators. We are we're very tight with Arizona where we're testing. We're also very tight with the with the federal regulators. We have uh, constant dialogue with them. China is a little different in that their their regulatory structure obviously is is different the way they they run their state. Uh, but in China, there is very strong central government support for what's happening, and we have been granted uh, very generous permits uh, in the in the China region for testing. We're testing in multiple regions in China. We're testing in South ADN, which is a, a port region southeast of Beijing. We're also testing uh, in the Shanghai region, uh, and both both regions are are very positive about us us being present there. So in a lot of ways, it feels very similar. At International Truck, we know that when it comes to autonomous transportation, we all have a lot of questions. Who's in the driver's seat? Will autonomous make our roadways safer? How will the role of the driver evolve? Will connected technology be advanced enough to support autonomous operations? Could self-driving be reality? What's next? Let's talk about it. Join International Truck in driving transportation forward at upnexttrucking.com. Next up on Road Signs, we're excited to welcome a guest who's been representing the trucking industry in discussions about the future of automated vehicles. Michael Camisa is Vice President for Safety Policy, Connectivity, and Technology at American Trucking Associations. Thanks for joining the show, Mike. And thanks, Seth, for having me. You bet. And, you know, Mike, we're still in the early stages of building the, the legal and regulatory framework for automated vehicles, but the U.S. Department of Transportation has issued updated guidelines and state and federal lawmakers are looking at legislation. Could you provide us a little bit of an overview of where things stand today and what you expect to see next? Sure. Um, there's, as you mentioned, there's sort of two tracks here. There's the federal legislation, um, which began actually at the end of last year with the Self-Drive Act. Um, passing out of the House in September, um, and then the AV Start Act, which is uh, in the Senate right now. It passed out of committee, um, but needs action by the full Senate. Um, without going too deep into the how a bill becomes law, uh, the Senate, of course, has to approve that, uh, pass that, um, before the two bills then would be reconciled into the law. And there seems to be some holdup in, in the Senate. There's a lot of other things going on. So it's unclear um, as to whether that will happen in this session of Congress or not. Um, and so if it does not pass this session, then they'd have to start over again in the next session. Um, I'm not going to place odds on one thing or the other. It's, uh, it's hard to predict what Congress will do. There's, there's lots of things outside that have nothing to do with these um, bills that influence it as well as specifics on the bill. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, the main thing that those bills dealt with were um, um, sort of the federal preemption and the exemptions, um, and we think those are good, um, but these bills were only applying to passenger vehicles, right. not commercial vehicles. So from our point of view, they, they, they weren't going to impact us as much um, as we would have liked, they uh, but they would perhaps set some um, precedent for right. what we could do in the commercial vehicle industry. Yeah. But, so where the action is really going on right now is at the um, uh, DOT, 
and they're doing, um, I think, a good job of trying to move this technology forward in, in, in an appropriate manner with their, you know, with their purview of making sure that it's done um, safely and, and properly. So um, all of the modes um, at DOT, um, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, the Federal Highway Administration, the Pipeline Hazardous Material uh, uh, Systems Administration are all looking at their own pieces of automated vehicle technology and how they can help remove regulatory barriers to getting this technology out. So um, DOT as a whole is putting together an update to their guidelines that they issued uh, uh, last year um, of version 3.0 now that will incorporate all of the surface transportation and, and, and figure out how, how to apply a good framework for introducing automated technology into all, all modes of surface transportation, including trucking, of course, which is right. important to us. Got it. And you know, let's take a moment to also talk about the federal rule versus the state rule for overseeing automated vehicles. You know, we've seen some states already pass legislation dealing with this, uh, but the trucking industry, of course, operates across state lines for the most part. Uh, so do you expect state-level laws to eventually pave the way for a national policy, or is there a concern that we could be left with a patchwork of state laws that could become barriers to interstate operations? Yeah, it is a half-full, half-empty question, um, and I, I want to be optimistic about it. Um, uh, we are, of course, concerned that, about the patchwork situation, um, but we think, and, and that's why we're interested in having a federal rule uh, well-defined, and that can be done either through the legislative process, as we said, but also through through the NHTSA or the DOT guidance that's coming out, um, you know, putting clear direction as to what DOT is doing and what they expect of the states. Um, I mean, we have a clear, uh, clearly defined role now for conventional vehicles, so it, it, it's just a question of how do we <clears throat> apply that same kind of convention, but now that we're changing to automated driving systems. Um, so I think that um, while the states may be creating their own um, things to try to move forward in their state, that they do have an interest in supporting interstate commerce. So as differences may be identified between what states are doing, ultimately we will be able to unify things into a national framework. Okay. Now, just last fall, ATA formally adopted a policy on the development of automated trucks, and there's more than 20 points in that policy, so we won't go through it all, but uh, Mike, what do you see as the key highlights? Yeah, so you know those twenty points are grouped under several headings, and so um, they get into a little more specifics. Um, so I think you know we've talked about one already: the, the unification of, the, the, of state uh, um, laws so that we can allow for interstate commerce. Um, so we think that's that's important. Another one we talked is the federal and state roles to again clearly defining so that there's not a question of who's who's responsible here and who whose rules do I need to follow. Um, and then, of course, safety is one of the big areas. Um, you know, the trucking industry, while we're very supportive of this technology, um, as is DOT, it doesn't do us any good if it isn't safer than what we have now. And so we're looking to see evidence of, of the safety. You know, uh, it's great these companies are developing this technology and they're, and they're working to prove that. That's, you know, that's their goal and that's our goal. Okay. And of course, ATA has chosen to focus on the development of technology that assists rather than replaces the truck driver. So Mike, could you just explain to our listeners why you think that position makes the most sense right now? Sure, uh, and, and maybe clarify that a little bit too. I mean, the, the, the technology companies, I think you've talked to, to, to several of them, are working on different kinds of business models. Right. Um, and so there's some that, that are looking at sort of taking over a segment of the highway and operating that 
um, with, uh, without the need of a driver. That doesn't mean there won't be someone in the truck, um, but the, the vehicle itself can control, uh, control everything on that stretch of the highway. Uh, another company is working on a remote operator um, where the truck would drive itself most of the time, but they would have a connection to a remote site where a remote operator would drive it. So uh, I think in the near term, um, you know, we'll see driver assist. We're already seeing driver assist technology, and, and I think in the near term that will continue to develop as it, it, it supports automation in the longer term. So we think it's important to remember that and not get too hung up on the longer term uh, and remember that we're working on this technology now that can be implemented in trucks um, sooner rather than later. Yep, and you know, let's also take that a step further and, and discuss what automation will mean for truck driving jobs. You know, there have been some concerns out there raised by members of the public and in the, you know, the mainstream press about drivers being put out of work by autonomous trucks. And I think it's pretty clear, you know, any realistic uh, view of this makes it pretty clear that this is not a, a, a real concern anytime in the near future. But Mike, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, and, and as I described earlier, it, it, the, the different business models that are out there, none of them would suggest a, a, an immediate and widespread displacement of truck drivers. Right. And right now we have a shortage. So uh, if we can use this technology to make operations more efficient, um, we can help you know, fill in that gap a little bit and make the existing drivers more efficient. Um, if, you're, if you're moving freight more, more quickly, more rapidly because of um, the automation across large stretches of the country, then you're creating more jobs at the, uh, at the endpoints. And so that one business model where they're talking about automating you know, stretches of highway, that, that's very limited in terms of how many potential uh, jobs it would impact. And as I said, they may still be having drivers or, or, or some attendance on the vehicle um, or, or uh, remote drivers. Mm -hmm. So there still may be the same number of jobs there, um, right. but then you're also potentially increasing the need for the drivers at the uh, either end um, to take the local delivery down. Um, so I think there's a you know, potential for actually increasing jobs in certain parts of the, of the trucking industry. And so I, I'm pleased to see there's, there's, there's interest in this, more interest in this now in terms of research and looking at it, um, in terms of looking at, the, at what the truck driver does besides just drive the truck, where that driver is going to be needed to drive the truck in some of these business models as this technology develops, and the timing of how this is going to roll out. And so I think when you start to put all those pieces together, this isn't going to be some, we get to the edge of a cliff and we go over, it's going to be very gradual and we'll have time to, um, you know, work with workforce development, um, uh, wherever, wherever we can to train people for the new jobs. Um, there'll be people, you know, people be able to plan for a transition if necessary, but you know, I think the people that are in trucking now are going to continue to have their same good driving jobs for, for, for the future. Seeing where we are now, it's hard to imagine any time in the foreseeable future where people who want a job in trucking won't be able to get one. Right. It's just, <laughs> you know, we're, you know, trucking is open for business and uh, all the big fleets we talk to, and I'm sure the small ones as well, uh, are, are all looking for drivers, looking for employees. Yeah. Uh, don't see that changing anytime. And, and even the technology companies that are developing the technology right. are looking for drivers. Sure. You know, I also wanted to uh, uh, bring up uh, another uh, aspect of this that ATA has been interested in, and that's vehicle-to-vehicle uh, -vehicle communications and its potential to support road safety. Uh, Mike, what do you see as the potential for, for B2B and trucking at some point down the line? Yeah, so B2B is, um, I'd say, complementary to automation. It's not critical. It's not on the critical path to get there, 
um, but it's helpful. And, but it's also helpful for human drivers. Anything that provides more information um, to help make better decisions, whether it's a human making the decision or whether it's a machine making the decision, um, you know, is going to be beneficial. And so adding vehicle to vehicle communication um, would allow um, other vehicles to sort of signal where their path is, what their intentions are um, to the other vehicle. Right now, for human drivers, that could be in the form of a warning um, or, or it could be some sort of intervention. We have you know, things like automatic emergency braking. And if you think about it, it gets beyond line of sight, um, which like radar and LIDAR technology rely on. And so you can find out about actions that are going on further down the road and prepare. And for a truck, when you think about the braking distance differences between a, a tractor trailer and a passenger car, knowing that there's traffic stopped ahead for the truck driver, the earlier they, they can be aware of that, again, whether it's the human or whether it's the machine, the, the, the better that chance they have of getting stopped um, before you know, it becomes a critical situation. So I think also there might be potential to, for this technology to help passenger vehicle drivers understand a little bit better their operations around trucking, around trucks. Often uh, you'll see uh, you know, passenger vehicles don't understand the, the difference in stopping distance. And so they'll, they'll, they'll squeeze into a spot uh, opening in a lane. And, and then the truck driver, of course, has to back off to get, make sure that they maintain a proper following distance. So a B2B uh, communication could let the passenger vehicle know this is not, even though there's room for you technically there um, to get your vehicle in there, physical room, it's not the appropriate room for, for safety. And so it could help kind of train the passenger vehicle drivers as well. Hi, I'm Chris Gutierrez, a Development Chief Engineer at International Truck. Thanks for listening to the Transport Topics podcast. Interestingly, we've heard a lot of thought-provoking topics discussed here. At International Truck, we are driving important changes in our industry. Take autonomous transportation. We know that autonomous driving technology has the potential to transform the industry, especially when it comes to safety and efficiency. We anticipate autonomous technology will boost these two factors to levels our industry has never seen before. Not only will we see a shift in the role of the driver, but we'll also see increased efficiencies for fleet owners. At International Truck, we are taking a pragmatic approach to technology, working to develop, test, and launch autonomous trucking in a smart and methodical way. All this new exciting technology and change is happening faster than ever and is creating a lot of speculation. We know that when it comes to the future, we all have a lot of questions. As industry leaders, we at International Truck, together with you, want to address these advancements. From electrification, to connectivity, to digital supply chain and more, so we can all move towards a successful tomorrow. Join International Truck in driving transportation forward at upnexttrucking.com. Before we wrap up, let's take a moment to review what we've learned about the road to automated trucking. As we've heard, the legal and regulatory framework for this technology is still fluid. At least for now, proposed legislation has focused more on passenger cars than commercial trucks, but the foundation is taking shape, and regulatory agencies are starting to get in front of this issue. Meanwhile, tech developers continue to push forward. More advanced driver assist technology, including automated steering, is coming soon. For the most part, truck makers and their suppliers are focusing on these driver assist systems as the most feasible approach in the near term. But at the same time, 
Tech developers such as Too Simple are working to enable higher levels of automation that could allow trucks to drive themselves without human input, at least in some limited applications or for certain types of freight on certain routes. Only time will tell precisely how automation will take shape in trucking, but it's safe to say that the industry is entering one of the most fascinating times in its history. Road Signs will return in August to explore another major trend, the introduction of electric vehicles in the trucking industry. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.